Days Live with your host, Doc, here at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, California, on this Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Can you guys believe it? We're already in February. Seems like yesterday we were celebrating uh, New Year's, uh, and now here we are, ending uh, one month out of the remaining 11. Uh, you guys optimistic about this year? I, I think it's going to be an interesting year nonetheless. <laughs> Could be the calm before the storm, if you will. Uh, election year, right? Very uh, interesting stuff. Um, so today's a rainy day here in California where they're quite unusual. We don't get a lot of rain, but when we do, it pours. So today was raining uh, a lot in um, all, of, all of Southern California. <laughs> which I particularly enjoy. Um, I don't enjoy the hydroplaning at times, but uh, I do enjoy uh, the, the rain. It brings a nice mood into uh, myself and into my household. Well, uh, welcome you guys into the show. We'll wait a little bit until people start getting situated here on Strange Days Live. And our topic today will be the mysterious story behind Brazil's Roman shipwreck. This is a story that was suggested yesterday. I believe it was by one of our listeners. I think it was Willow, but I'm not really 100%. So credit is given to where credit is due. And it was one of our listeners who suggested this. I was unaware uh, of this particular story. And then I uh, decided to do a little bit of research today. And uh, it was... uh, it was a great, uh, great story with a lot of twists and, and turns. Um, some of the sources I'll be using today will be uh, mirror.com and uh, other sources of, uh, of uh, information online. So I kind of compounded. Uh, um, it's hard, you know, it's hard for these stories. It's hard to make uh, a short um synopsis if you will because they have a lot of things and a lot, a lot of parts you know uh, flying around and a lot of parts in order for the story to 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 get explained correctly so may go uh, over an hour but i'm sure nobody's going to complain about that let me see go back to the comment section welcome you guys i'll be posting a link on the comment section if you guys which wish to chime in on the story, you can join us uh, live either by calling our phone number, which is 951 888 or you can also do it by clicking on the link uh, that I just posted. JD, good to have you, my friend. It's good to have uh, your friends here listening to you. Uh, faithful friends always come in. And just give you a, a nice warm uh, WhatsApp. So again, we're uh, I can't believe we're in February already. You know, this year just flying. Um, I wish you guys had a, a nice month of uh, January. Do you guys maybe have some vacations coming up? That will be nice and enjoyable. So we'll get right into the story. Today's uh, plot uh, revolves around. A diver, a shipwreck, another diver, and a whole nation in uproar. The title of our show today is Brazil's Roman Shipwreck. 
and here we go. So basically, you know, there's been numerous uh, historical artifacts uh, throughout history that have either changed the way we look at things, um, reconsidered uh, the way we look at things, and also changed or change the way that we look at things, especially our own history um, as humans. You know, um, and these artifacts hold our unique position in collective memory, right? I mean, you have the Declaration of Independence, changed a nation. Two things that occurred in the past and how people treated people. You have the pyramids that show you the amazing power of uh, the human mind and uh, the accomplishments of civilization. And you have Stonehenge with mysteries. You have all these things, historical artifacts that tend to change the, the narrative, right? And this particular story also change the narrative but uh, we'll see how you decide upon the conclusion to see if it will in the future or it's just going to remain a hidden fact um, you know Christopher Columbus uh, and his early ventures are, are some of the most memorable exploits that are etched into consciousness I hold to the belief that he was not the first one to quote unquote discover America, but he's the one that brought it into the attention of um, the European, the Europeans, if you will. I, I believe that uh, America was pro probably discovered by Vikings or uh, from from Europe, but it was before that it was probably populated by the uh, Asian uh, communities from the east uh, along the, the the Bering Strait. I think that's that's the way that uh, it was populated. So I think that those are the true discoverers, quote unquote, of of, uh, of America, if there is such such thing as discovering a continent. Um, with that being said, so Columbus is credited as discovering America, as we all know, and that's what we're taught, and that's what the textbooks for the meantime say. So in 1982, uh, there was a revelation that um, actually in Brazil that uh, seemed to present an intriguing narrative to our collective agreement into that particular event of discovery. Contrary to the widely held belief of Christopher Columbus as an early explorer, the unearthing of ancient Roman ruins in Guanabara Bay, Brazil, which is approximately 50 miles of Rio de Janeiro coast, introduced a captivating enigma that still haunt us uh, until the present day. The person that's typically credited as the initial European discoverer of Brazil uh, is Portuguese navigator Pedro Álvarez Cabral, uh, who's a national hero and holds that distinction. You know, uh, Brazil is a humongous country and is the only um, Portuguese-speaking country in South America and uh, America, you know, and all the other countries, either, you know, French, English, uh, or, you know, native tongues, or mostly Spanish. So Pedro Álvarez Cabral uh, arrived in Brazil. Historically, they placed it around the year 1500. 
um, intriguingly, Robert Marks, which is the gentleman that it's gonna we're gonna be discussing now. It's it's actually leading um, based on on the discovery of this shipwreck. He's trying to encounter numerous obstacles uh, in trying to change the narrative. And obviously, the Brazilian authorities are not very happy about that. Um, so, adding an air of mystery to this question, basically, who set foot in Brazil first? Was it the Romans or the Portuguese? So, as we said before, situating off the coast of Rio de Janeiro on Brazil's Atlantic coast, Guanabara uh, Bay is a very prominent bay in the southeastern region of the country, ranking as the second largest bay in the country of Brazil. It's about 15 miles and about 50 miles from the shoreline in waters approximately 100 feet deep and spanning an area nearly equivalent to three tennis courts. There's a very intriguing mystery in details. Ancient Roman relics were scattered across the seabed in this particular region. And these are the relics that raise uh, the questions about the historical accuracy of whom reached Brazil first, because they seem very distant from the presumed origins, according to the textbooks. Let me mand the comment section here as we go on. Hey, widow, how are you? Hi, Michael, good to have you on the show. I always like to take a little break and man the, the comment section just to make sure I'm not missing anything. So going back to the story, 1976, uh, this particular location uh, drew an initial notice of interest when lobster divers reported uh, finding or the presence of ancient jars, which at the time were covered in barnacles um, in this particular bay. There was a diver named Jose Roberto Teixeira who actually substantiated this claim. So it came from more of one source saying like, hey, you know what, we, we did find uh, things. Somebody else found it, I found them. Uh, basically, I got some. He pulled out two ceramic jars and he revealed their tall and taper shapes. And these jars are actually uh, similar in orange or basically typical um, in orange to what we would consider uh, an amphora, which are jars that Usually, they were primarily used by the Greeks, Phoenicians, and Romans, and they served useful in carrying, uh, you know, commodities inside. They, they used to carry water, they carry grain, uh, they could carry uh, wine as well, they could carry oil. So basically, they were a, sort of like an old-school um, uh, old school uh, bag, if you were a backpack, <laughs> Or, or, you know, when you travel, you take your luggage, like an old school uh, luggage that you would carry things across. So these jars, you know, from, from these particular civilizations, they, they carry, a, they had an, a, a very unique um, shape to them. So Mr. Teixeira was the first one to bring them up and reveal, actually, that these things were real. Um, and after this happened, uh, when uh, Mr. Robert Marks, who was a very seasoned and experienced explorer, got wind of this. And he said, I'm packing my things. I'm packing my anforas, and I'm going to Guanabara Bay. I'm going to take a dip in the nice, warm uh, Rio uh, seas, and I'm going to see what's going on down there. So Mr. Marks <coughs> um, 
was able to, you know, refute some of the skeptics that were not lending too much credence to these uh, seamen, if you will, or these um, the, the people that originally said that they were, you know, that they were that they found these amphoras. And he said, no, the, these guys, you know, they're they're uh, absolutely uh, correct. There is something here. So he started doing his own research. Um, he started collaborating with, uh, with with local agencies from Brazil. Uh, the agency called FSP, which is Phoenicia Pesquias Archaeologica. So I was uh, an archaeological society, let's call them. Initially, uh, agreed to partner with Mr. Marx, and uh, he actually, you know, played a pivotal role in kind of getting the ball started and trying to bring all these underwater relics to to public attention. Um, so uh, let, let's go out a little bit into into Marx because Marx is a pretty um, pretty fascinating guy. He um, this is his, his resume, uh, if you will. So he's a uh, he has contributed immendous amount of contribution to underwater archaeology. He's done uh, extensive dives. He is um, he's been knighted actually. I'm just going to let me one second here, guys. He's been knighted uh, because he's been uh, been world recognized for for the things that he's he's uh, he's been able to bring forth. He was uh, able to unearth two of Columbus's ships. He found them resting in the Caribbean seabed. And also he played a crucial role in discovering the remains of Christopher Columbus in a Spanish cathedral. So this guy is pretty seasoned. And by recognizing his contribution, the Spanish crown bestowed knighthood upon uh, Robert Marx for his meticulous recreation of Columbus's journey and uh, encompassing, encompassing detailed costumes and using 50, uh, 15th century technology. Okay, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do to be able to recreate all those things. So in 19, it will go back to 1982 now. Mr. Marx, uh, you know, partnered with another Brazilian uh, diving uh, department, if you will, archaeological department, and they set off on a dive. Uh, about like I said before, it was about uh, 90, and it was about a 90 foot uh, depth where this shipwreck was found. And he found approximately 200 broken uh, amphoras and several complete ones. He actually was able to retrieve these and take them to uh, Professor uh, Elizabeth Will, who was a professor of classic and also specialist in ancient Roman amphoras at the University of Massachusetts. She said that they were very similar uh, to the ones that were produced at Causas, a Roman Empire colony that was at the center for amphora making on the Atlantic coast of Morocco. Very interesting. Mrs. Uh, Professor Wales was quoted in 1985 saying the quote, they look to be ancient and because of the profile, the thin wall fabric and the shape of the rim, I suggest they belong to the third century AD. Fragments of these amphoras or jars were later uh, underwent thermoluminance testing at the University of London, which determined their age could be even older, around 19, the year 19 BC. Wow. 
And the next step marks and Dr. Harold Edgerton of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology or MIT had explored the site with acoustical echoes and uh, other medical uh, metal devices. And at this point, Marx became absolutely convinced that they had found the remains of a wooden uh, ship that had been shattered on impact with a large rock. He, his suggestion was that a Roman vessel had been blown off its course, somehow reached Brazil, and sunk. Marx, after finding the initial amphoras, uh, planned to return home to prepare a full-blown excavation of what he personally believed would be a potentially the greatest discovery of his career. Cool story thus far, huh? Let's go back to the comment section here. Perfect. So here we go. We have... We have um, a gentleman who... Well, we have a couple of fishermen in the 70s who are trying to earn their daily living. They looking for lobster and they stumble upon these amphoras or jars. Uh, more than one find them, adds credibility to the story. Uh, World-renowned underwater archaeologist gets a uh, heads up about the story, packs his things, goes to Brazil, gets permission, teams up with the Brazilian um, Department of Archaeology, go down to the site, able to extract 200 um, of these vessels, comes back to the U.S., takes them to a specialist, concurs that they are from the period and that they are Roman, furthermore goes to London, talks to another specialist who also concurs. So that's the story so far. So, the possibility of, of foreign discoverers, uh, potentially of, you know, a foreign discoverer before Columbus, obviously, is going to shake some people's uh, mind. It's going to rattle uh, people's sense of their own personal history. Uh, potentially, you know, dating back to the Romans, the discovery of Brazil, which would have made a discovery of America being much, much older than we thought. So, this would have... Uh, would have to have a big uh, reevaluation of our history because it appeared that numerous explorers had already reached the uh, quote unquote new world before Columbus in 1492. I mean, we're talking about 19 BC. So we're talking about, you know, 1400 years before. In fact, many of these explorers uh, that were nearly a thousand years ahead of Columbus having ventured to both the Atlantic Pacific, North and South American coast. Um, so, obviously, with a discovery of this magnitude, you're going to encounter your, your skeptics, right? So, despite Robert Marx uh, introducing a fresh perspective on the history and exploration of America, his work nonetheless faced substantial criticism. Numerous skeptics question his credentials as an archaeologist. I don't know how they can do that when the guy was knighted. Um, with a prevalent critique asserting that Marx's motivations were driven more by a pursuit of treasure and glory than by a genuine commitment of uncovering and comprehending new historical data. Yeah. 
The most scathing critique of Robert Marks has been presented in an article by Jonathan Kirch in the LA Times. Uh, Mr. Kirch pointed out that Marks created and exaggerated findings in the world around them by supporting the narrative that he wanted to present. In addition, he also accused Robert Marks of being banned from Brazilian underwater sites due to his theft of artifacts from the seabed. So this is when things things start getting weird. So article comes out, people start, there's a lot of skepticism. And then I guess the government of Brazil gets uh, a hold of this. They accuse Marx of stealing and they say, you know what? You're no longer welcome. Whatever exploration you had planned for Brazil, uh, it's not going to take place. We're not going to allow you to come here. Uh, and uh, we believe your critics are probably lying. And by the way, you stole our stuff. So in 1984, uh, Brazil issued a nationwide, a nationwide ban against any kind of underwater exploration, which is still active until this day. And why do they do that? Because American archaeologist Robert Marks, this is, they don't say that, but this is claimed to have discovered an ancient Roman shipwreck which could rewrite history. Most, uh, you know, most ominous rewrite Brazilian history. Well, life goes on and there's a couple other things that come in and then and they land a little bit of, of um, distaste in Mr. Marks' uh, mouth, if you will. Uh, Mark somehow was able to um, go back somehow to the area, even though he was banned. And he accused, uh, he ended up accusing the Brazilian Navy of dumping a thick layer of silt and sand on the remains of the Royal Roman vessel that he actually said that I discover inside of uh, Rio de Janeiro's bay. As a result, we have... No more further um, digs. We have a br total Brazilian ban on um, any kind of underwater exploration. And what's crazy is that Brazil's coast covers an area of 4,600 miles of coastline. That's very suspicious. Um, <laughs> so... According to Mr. Marx and what I just told you, the reason for such a suspect response is that it's because the discovery will prove a Roman presence in the area over 1,700 years ago. So obviously a media circus erupted uh, with, with all these things coming to light. Um, wide, it was a wide press coverage across Brazil and internationally. Almost every voice of power in Brazil, particularly Brazil's dictator at the time, General Joao Figueiredo, rallied against the American archaeologists. Uh, the Portuguese explorer, which I mentioned earlier, that was credited with the discovery of Brazil and universally loved by Brazilians, is regarded as a saint and a national hero. And as a Catholic nation knows for, known for its pious faith, the idea that a country was not discovered by Cabral, a Catholic nobleman, was considered blasphemous. Meanwhile, Accepting the possibility that a pagan pre-Christian Roman discovered Brazil was simply out of the question. The opposition was not simply religious, but also carried deep political implications as well. Brazil had a sizable Italian population, and upon news of the shipwreck, 
the Italian ambassador to Brazil demanding the Italian immigrants should be given immediate citizenship to the country rather than jumping through the extensive and exhausted application process, which was bypassed by Portuguese citizens, all because they found a couple of jars. While trouble brewing, Marx was quickly labeled as a hoaxer. Better way? Just blame the guy that discovered it as a hoaxer. In 1984, again, all permits were revoked. And Mark was no longer allowed from entering Brazil. So um, he made comments about that. He said, you know what? He told officials that Brazilians don't care about the past and they don't want to replace Cabral as they discovered it, which is very true. And that's what I agree. So what is Brazil's side of the story in all this? I mean, right now we can be kind of, I would like to know what, what were they thinking and, and why they kind of close the doors to to exploring and why do they kind of go and turn their backs on uh, potentially an amazing discovery out of their oceans. So um, obviously Brazilians account of the events is unsurprisingly different from what I just talked to you uh, from those about the Brazilian Navy denied anything being covered up and in turn charged marks with possession of contraband belonging to shipwrecks uh, or other wrecks of the country. They were substantiated their claims. The Brazilian officials presented a catalog of an auction held in Amsterdam in 1983 and it appeared to show gold coins, instruments and other artifacts that were removed from shipwrecks in Brazil and were up for sale on behalf of Marx. So this is how they got them. The officials argue that Marx had not reported making this discovery in his invent uh, inventory, violating his diving agreement. Uh, this said that uh, was the reason for banning him from entering Brazil. So I was wrong. It's not because of the discovery of the amphoras. It was because of uh, perhaps he stole some coins. It was reported that several attempts to give Marx the opportunity to respond to these charges were unsuccessful. Allegedly, one fall call ended abruptly when Mark says, don't bother me. And then he hung up. <laughs> Interesting story. I can't believe I never heard this story until one of the one of our uh, listeners mentioned it. That's a cool thing. Uh, Widow, let's go here to the comment section. Roman merchant ships look surprisingly similar to ships used by the Spanish and Portuguese in the 15th century. Before the Romans, the Phoenicians sailed all over the world. This could be true. Yeah, the Phoenicians are the masters of the sea. Or were the masters of the sea? They were um, a seafaring, um, you know, people, if you will, or culture. So yeah, good job there, widow. So let's complicate this story a little bit more, shall we? Um, adding uh, to what's already been going on and what you guys are already kind of caught up to in regards to this doozy. A wealthy Brazilian businessman named Americo Santarelli, funny, Santarelli sounds like an Italian last name, uh, claimed that the amphora is to be his property. Okay. He said that he had taken such a strong liking to, to some ancient Sicilian amphoras that he had ordered a potter in Portugal to make exact replicas in an attempt to quote unquote aid the jars. He said he dropped 15 of them in Guanabara Bay in 1961, but collected only four. So what are today's beliefs? The academic consensus uh, as of right now insists that the Romans did not undertake any kind of transatlantic voyage. But however, others argue that this does not explain the hundreds of Roman artifacts that have been found in the quote unquote new world. 
Very true. This includes coins, swords, artwork, pins, and more stuff found around uh, across all over America. Could it be that Mr. America Santarelli also dropped these things around the Americas to get them aged? Hmm, I don't know. So, you know, we have a lot of stuff that that that, that proves to um, to the contrary that America was already been discovered. Many continue to argue that um, shipwreck sites littered with amphoras found closer to the Romans' home in Spain. Albania and Cyprus bear a staggering resemblance to Mark's discovery in Brazil. And two other Roman shipwrecks have also been claimed to exist, one in Galveston Bay, Texas, and one in Honduras, but neither of them have been verified thus far. It's a pretty short story. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it there. Um, you know, very short, but very sweet. I liked it. Um, what do you guys think? Drop... Um, Drop yourself uh, your comments or call us if you're going to talk about this Brazilian discovery. I I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it lends credence. I think it's, it's legit. I mean, there's no way to uh, excuse or, you know, if, if you have found all kinds of things besides the amphoras, like they said, you found, you know, Besides the jars, you found coins, you found swords, all kinds of things. I, I think it lends to the credence that um, that the Romans were able to to sail to the Americas. You know, I mean, if considering um, the technology, I, I don't think it was m that much more different from Columbus's technology. You know, um, Columbus's ships, you know, they're they were minuscule and he was able to cross. Why not the Romans? Let's see here. Widow comments. They have been Phoenician glass beads that were used as currency found in Nova Scotia dating back to four to 200 BC. That's awesome. In Alaska, they found glass beads from Venice, Italy dated early 1400s before Columbus. Yeah. So, you know, my, my belief is that the Brazilian authorities didn't want to investigate further. They didn't want their patron saint, uh, saint to be um, dismissed. They didn't obviously want to rewrite their history. They did not want to claim that they were discovered by the Romans, obviously. Um, and that kind of explains why they would ban, you know, any kind of archaeology up until this day uh, throughout their extensive coastline. So, very interesting Let's see. There's nothing much that I can offer today for this particular uh, for this particular story because it kind of this has never made any any new discoveries, and I don't think they will. Let me see the status of if this guy's even. I wonder if he's still or if Robert Marks is still alive. No, actually, he. Uh, passed away in, in 2000, July 4th, 2019. Gonna talk a little bit more about him. This is from his Wikipedia page. Robert Marks uh, was an American pioneer in scuba diving, prolific author, and best known for his work as an advocate, uh, a vocational, sorry, marine archeologist, 
Over his career, he discovered over 5,000 shipwrecks in over 60 countries. Although some accused him of treasure hunting, fellow vocational archaeologist E. Lee Spence described Marx as the true father of underwater archaeology. Marx also helped write UNESCO's legislation regarding shipwrecks. Marx wrote extensively about the, con the concept of quote-unquote white ghosts. He came to the conclusion that white excuse me, white gods, goodness, Mark came to the conclusion that white gods figure in almost every indigenous culture of the America. Let's go down the, let's see here. Let's go down the rabbit hole. White gods, what are white gods? Is to believe that ancient cultures around the world were visited by white races in ancient times. Okay, here we go. Then we have next week's topic. Monday show will be about white gods. <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty cool. Uh, white gods is to believe that ancient cultures around the world were visited by white races in ancient times and that they were known as white gods. Some authors have claimed that the white missionaries or gods visited America before Columbus. Well, there you go. We'll do that on Monday. A lot of Romans, people from Rome, you know, their skin's pretty fair considering, you know, comparing to the skin of, uh, of Native Americans. Uh, more about Robert Marx. So he believed that himself. Uh, Robert Marx was actually in the Corps, in the Marine Corps, at age 17 and 53. He served as a staff sergeant in Korea. And then he became a dive specialist in Puerto Rico. He was a founding member for the Council on Underwater Archaeology and the Sea Research Society and served as the Society's Board of Advisors. Max claimed to have discovered the USS Monitor, which was an ironclad warship built for the United States Navy during the American Civil War. So it was kind of like a submarine, if you guys have ever heard of the Monitor. That's another interesting story. Uh, I don't believe it went completely underwater, but uh, it only had like a casing uh, float. He said that he dived on the wreck and placed a Coke bottle with his name on it in one of the gun barrels, although he never provided any proof of his story. So he found it. He said to kind of claim it, but he never brought it up. In 72, he participated in the creation of the research professional degree of Doctor of Marine Histories. In 72, he discovered the salvage, uh, the Spanish galleon, Our Lady of the Maravillas, which wrecked off the coast of Grand Bahamas in 1656. Uh, an expedition later became the subject of a network television documentary, Treasure, Treasure Galleon, narrated by... Rod Serling, who is the creator of, among other things, the Twilight Zone. Then he goes into his alleged discovery of the Roman Amphoras. He recreated, okay, so he was knighted because this guy actually recreated the voyages of Crystal Columbus. Wow, so he, that, that's amazing. He basically sailed the same way that Christopher Columbus could have sailed. He organized that and led a reenactment of the Columbus voyages from the Canary Islands to San Salvador Island. And the exact replica of the ship La Nina donned La Nina too, or Nina too. After three months, they arrived in the Bahamas on Christmas Eve. According to Marx, it is likely the, close, the closest modern sailor had come to experiencing the conditions, the determination, and the incredible amount of luck that they needed to cross an ocean 500 years ago. As a result of this endeavor, as I talked before, he was made a night commander 
a knight. He was knighted, uh, commanded in the order of Isabella la Católica by the Spanish government in 64 and 69. He was organizer and captain of two voyage of replica Viking ships from Europe to America. He sought to demonstrate the possibility of pre-Columbian transatlantic contact. If there are any script writers out there, this would make a fantastic movie. This guy says a lot of stuff. Following his trip, um, he appeared as himself uh, on an episode of the game show to tell the truth. Okay. Man, this guy was pretty prolific. Uh, he also authored 59 books and over 900 articles. He, he was an adventure editor for the Saturday Evening Post. For archaeology editor for Argozi magazine. Contributing to documentaries and a whole bunch of other stuff. He died on July 4th, 2019 at the age of 82. Yeah. JD mentioned, I wonder how uh, how much of a sunken ship could uh, even be from any ship that would have been scattered during a global flood like the Count of Noah. They must have had other ships to scatter and sank. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, who knows, huh? Uh, those probably are super, super deep under like layers and layers of suit. That Roman ship is real. The theory Phoenicians, Templars, or Romans all island ha hopped to Americas by sailing along the coast of Spain, France. You know, yeah. Yeah. They, for both sides, you know, I think America was, I don't know if you could say, I believe that the, in the, in the Pangaea, I think that it was, um, it was one big continent uh, originally. And then, um, after the flood, the continents uh, separated. So whomever uh, they separated and uh, there were different, sh you know, and that, that's how people were able to populate everything. Um, also, uh, they could have came in through the Bering Strait uh, from, from, from Asia because um, a lot of Native uh, Americans, you know, they have... Uh, they have uh, features that are that kind of in conjunction to what uh, Asian culture has. Like if you ever go to, or if you ever see people from the Andes or people from El Salvador or like from Southern Mexico or even Native American Indians, they have the slanted eyes. They have the, 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 the typical sh skull shape that's mostly associated with, uh, with the Asian um, <clears throat> people. And I'm sure the DNA would attest to that as well. I mean, my wife is from El Salvador and she has like full on slanted. Uh, her eyes are very slanted. And uh, we did the 23andMe a few years ago and she came up like 40 to 50% Native American. And uh, yeah, I had like, probably had like 4 to 10%. But I'm a white boy, so my skin's pretty fair. Um, so I had, I had a lot of, uh, Spanish, I had like probably like 50 to 60% of Basque from the Northern part of Spain. Um, yeah. So have you guys done the DNA test is pretty wild. Uh, it's kind of scary looking back on it. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm going to commit a crime, but I don't like it that my DNA is floating in the ether. You know, have you guys done DNA testing? If you have Go ahead and mention in the comments and let me know if you regret it. Sometimes I get hit up by like, hey, we found a relative. I'll go on like uh, 23andMe and I'll try to hit up that person. It'll be like a second, a second, a second cousin. But I never get 
never get a reply back. There's like a, I have like a second cousin that's within like 20 miles and I've tried to hit her up, but um, no, it's like, what am I going to say? Hey, we share less than 1% um, DNA. Let's have, uh, let's spend Christmas together. <clears throat> so yeah, let me see, go back to the comments here. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, so the, the Bering Strait, uh, they could have came across the Bering Strait and then made their way all the way down South America. Uh, obviously, they could have sailed from, uh, even the Egyptians had great sailing skills. And there's people that say that, or they supposedly we have had um, some unexplained um, Egyptians, Egyptian-like findings in the Grand Canyon and the, or, or the Americas itself. Uh, you know, pyramids are sort of like a global phenomenon as well. Um, I don't know if that's just uh, an easy way to, you know, it's an easy way to build a structure or it's just uh, they share common knowledge, you know. Uh, a chair is going to have four legs anywhere in the world. So maybe a pyramid was probably like the easiest way to build a tall tower back in the day. Um, and that's why they kind of, it's shared or maybe they just uh, copy from other cultures. But yeah, I definitely think that... Uh, you know, the Columbus um, was, I don't even know why we call him that he discovered America makes no sense. There was already indigenous people here. Widow, I agree. It may have come, I may have come to be that America is the real old world. True. There was an ancient trading post in Alaska near the Bering Strait with those early 1400 Italian beats were found. So let me pose a question. Why do you guys think that uh, they're unwilling to rewrite history if that were, if, if there's evidence right if there's evidence that um that our our history we got it wrong what's a holdback from saying hey you know what we got it wrong what do you guys think you think it's because they don't want to create another narrative maybe the implications um could it be for religious reasons that they could it be because you know they can say we were wrong and how uh, we interpret history maybe we are wrong in other things as well maybe we're wrong about uh, evolution maybe we're wrong about government why do you guys think that um, that if that people are um, not interested in in considering all these things and trying to come up with a consensus? of why you know kind of rewrite history if you will clutch says uh widow there's a channel on youtube by howie mccloskey and he talks about that he also thinks france was the true holy land hmm pretty interesting all right guys i think uh you guys, anybody want to come on and shoot some ideas? I'm going to put the invite uh, again. Because otherwise I just kind of feel like I'm rambling on and I don't want to, I don't want to have a rambly show. I just want to come in, do a good show. And even though I don't hit the hour mark, um, I want to talk to somebody else and just kind of be mumbling. So the white, I think on, on Monday we'll do the white, uh, the white gods. That will be a, a cool topic to cover. Okay. 
I'll hold on for another like two minutes to see if anybody wants to join or kind of give me their two cents. Otherwise, we'll just call it a show and we'll uh, thank you guys for joining. Hope you guys uh, have a good um have a good weekend. I'm not. I'm not, not going to be on tomorrow. Tomorrow's show. It's not going to happen because I'm. I'm going out of the city. I'm going to uh, Northern California, and uh, I'll be back on Monday, which will be which fifth already, huh? The fifth. Yeah, Monday the fifth. We'll be back at seven p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So tomorrow there's no show. Uh, as always. Um, I appreciate you guys liking and subscribing or sharing the show uh, with you guys with any kind of social media. If, if you have any like-minded friends, I would like to become part of the show as an aim to one day have a strictly call-in show or um, interview. I'm going to see if I can get somebody for next week to interview because I really enjoy doing that. And if you guys want to be interviewed, uh, hit me up. That'd be cool. Widow says, good content, Doc. Thank you. You're not rambling. <laughs> I think uh, what is off the coast of Brazil is a can of worms like it has been found in Arizona. Yep, I agree with you. One day the can of worms is not going to be able to be contained and then we're going to have either a lot of confusion or people are going to come up and say, let's rewrite history, shall we? All right, guys, I'm appreciative of everybody that's here. God bless you all. Thank you for your contributions as far as being part of this. Um, it's a labor of love. I've been on the air for three months, and I've we've amassed a lot of stuff. Um, things have uh, changed, kind of going back to my original intent of the show, and I'm happy about that. So I thank you guys for listening to Strange Days Live. We'll see you on Monday. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Bye-bye.